This is Inside the Writer's Head with Kurt Dynan, the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2016-2017 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity in our community, all while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Our podcast starts now. Hi, this is Kurt Dynan, the Cincinnati Public Library's Writer-in-Residence with another episode of Inside the Writer's Head. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing all of you to the 2018 Writer-in-Residence, Emma Carlson-Byrne. Emma lives here in Cincinnati, but beyond that, I know very little about her, so we're going to be learning together. I think since this will be my final podcast for the Cincinnati Public Library, we'll be doing things a little bit differently. I'll be asking questions of Emma, and she will be asking questions of me. Sort of a uh, intro exit interview type of thing. Welcome, Emma, and congrats on being the new writer in residence. Thanks, Kurt. I'm really excited. Okay, good. You look excited. So, what's like? What's your story? Like, give give us the elevator pitch rundown of your life. Um. <clears throat> well, I never started out thinking of myself as a writer. I was always more of a reader, and um, just kind of a general like nerdy academic type. And um, so I, uh, I went to grad school. I thought I was going to be a professor. Um, and then a couple of big things happened in my life, and I took a little time off after grad school, and I worked at a horse farm for people with disabilities. Um, and I taught horseback riding to people with disabilities for a few years. And, um, and then while I was doing that, I, we were, um, I was living with my boyfriend, who's my husband now. We were poverty-stricken. And um, a friend of mine told me that uh, she was doing some writing and that they were paying her to write. So uh, I asked her if I could do that, too, and she said I could, and she introduced me to her editor. And uh, that's how I started writing. Um, at that point, it was nonfiction books for high school students. So I started doing that kind of on the side. I was still teaching horseback riding and sort of trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Um, I'd already been to grad school, so that was done. And... Um, uh, we like moved around a little bit, and then at some point I decided to try to take a year and see if I could make a living writing. I did that, and 14 years later, um, here I am, still writing. So you write full-time? I do. I mean, I work about half-time because I have three little kids. But yeah, writing is my only job. Is that stressful? Yeah, it's really stressful. I'm pretty much convinced that like every job is my last. <laughs> In fact, I was convinced of that today. Uh, also last year at this time. So, yeah. But something always comes up. Something always seems to come up. It's incredibly stressful. I sort of feel like that there's very few downsides, but that's definitely one of them. I don't do real well with stress, but also it can be kind of motivating. So we're going to talk, we'll talk about what you're writing in a minute. I, I, I first want to know, tell me about finding out you were the writer-in-residence. Like, what was that like? It was really fun. I'd applied to be the writer-in-residence once before, and I didn't make it anywhere. And this time, the uh, library called and um, told me I was the writer-in-residence, and I think I said something like, this never happens to me. <laughs> and, like, the person on the other end of the phone, like, uh, and then I said, I think, I said, um, I'm going to try to do a really good job so I'm worthy of this. <laughs> At the same time, my five-year-old was, like, you know, sending me, like, hateful looks and, like, threatening gestures because I had broken off talking to him. It's like, Nancy, it was a very important phone call. So um, I got off the phone, and then I had immediately to, like, you know, grovel and apologize to him for um, cutting him off as a five-year-old. Did you celebrate? Um, I called my mother. First I called my husband. Then I called my mother. Then my mother sent out about 
30 seconds later, a long and embarrassing email to all of my relatives, which she got several things wrong. Yeah, and then I, like, had this sort of conversation with my husband about, like, should I put it on social media? Would that be bragging? Like, should he put it on social media? Like, what would really be the etiquette for putting something like this on social media? You do it instantly. Yeah, well, we he need to did talk it for me. This. I know. You it's, have to do this. It was it's, Self-promotion is really hard for me. It's I could hardly stand and talk about it or even think about it. So this interview is really going to be painful because yeah. it's all about you. Yeah, and, and what you've accomplished. Yeah. So yeah. this will be the thing uh, that is going to blow people's minds. <laughs> Uh, because here I am, I, I wrote one book, as, as you've all heard, Don't Get Caught, right? It's my one book, uh, and I'm sitting here with the new writer in residence. By my estimation, you've written 150 books. Is that is that accurate? Most of them are really bad, though. That's not, we don't need <laughs> denigrate. We, you've written 150 books, is that correct? Yes, it is correct. But, but let me just qualify that Explain. by saying that Explain. most of them... So primarily, I'm what's called a writer for hire. So I do um, I do a variety of, of uh, I do a lot of different kinds of writing. I've written YA thrillers and I've written YA romances. Sometimes I write these under ghost names. Sometimes I write them under my own name. I've written a lot of um, sports fiction, which is hilarious because I am terrible at all sports and have no interest in sports in general. I've written about 15 books of sports fiction for girls. Um, and but primarily a, a lot of what I write is books that are assigned to me by publishers. So publishers will get in touch. They'll say like we'd like, you know, a, a beachy, light, fun story for uh, middle grade readers um, that takes place in Napa Valley. And I'm like, well, that doesn't have very many beaches. And they're like, that's okay. Can you? And we'd like it to look sort of like this other book. And then I'll go ahead and write it. And then they'll pay me. No wait. How long are you given to write these books? Sometimes I'm given like six weeks. Okay. But sometimes um, I often write books for American Girl, and um, those are books. They're books, novels of historical fiction, and they take me about six months to write. Those are sort of more involved. Um, but often I write books that are continuation of a series. So another writer might have written like two or three, and then there might be another writer, and then there'll be me, and then there's another writer after that. Do you have to read all of those books? Yeah, I usually read them all. <laughs> are you given? This is fascinating to me. It really is, I, and I hope. I hope the listeners find this fascinating because I have so many questions. Do do they tell you, so American Girl, do they tell you what they want? Yes, And then you write a synopsis and they okay it? Yeah, yeah. They're usually like, all right, you know, we'd like, okay, so there's been three books about Kaya, the Native American character who I've written about twice. Um, They're like, now we would like a mystery. A mystery about Kaya. Go. So I get a lot of, like, background on her. Like, she'll have a huge file that comes with her. Like, everything about her, her mom and her dad and her background and background on her tribe and everything else. And then I'll read all of that. And then I'll talk to the American Girl historians, which they have. And then I will read all of the other books that are about her, um, including some of that are out of print. They'll send me all of these things. And then I'll think of a good uh, mystery. And then um, it'll be shot down, like, three or four or five or six times. And then I'll cry and feel like a failure and then I'll think of another one and that'll be accepted and then I'll um, go ahead and write the story up. In like like, six weeks. That's a true story. It's like due. It's like due in six weeks. Yeah, by then, well, let's see, to write the draft for something like that would take like like three or four months. Okay. So that's like a normal amount of time. Okay. Right? And how many books do you write a year? I write about 12, uh, but some of them are very short. Like I'm writing a book right now that's um, like a series of three books and each one is like 300 words. So they're extremely, so some of them are very short and some are longer. 
I mean, people need to go to your website and they can find you online very easily because your homepage is just all of the books you've written, but it's not all of the books. I mean, you no. click on like the American Girl book and then all of the American Girl books you've written pop up. I mean, 12 books in a year, that's insanity. There, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of books, but bear in mind that necessarily refer to these as great works of art, though I certainly, you know, am proud of them and I work hard on them. They are, um, these are books that people, they can happen pretty quickly because the publishers usually have in mind the book that they would like. So, you know, a writer like me, you have to be pretty adaptable, you have to be good at writing in different voices, um, you have to be pretty efficient with your work. That's the way I like to do it. And you've written for some fairly well-known franchises. I mean, you mentioned American Girl, but you've written books for Star Wars. Like, what's it like writing... You mentioned that, like, the American Girl, they have historians. I mean, I can imagine the Star Wars people have to be crazy protective of, like, what you're writing. Yeah, it was very fun writing the Star Wars books. I was a total Star Wars novice. I think... I'm guessing that they that didn't bother my editor when she offered me the contract, since uh, she could see from my website and everything else that I had written nothing having to do with Star Wars ever, or any kind of science fiction ever. Nor was I particularly interested in Star Wars, but I, I am interested in good stories. I mean, I, I do, in a rare moment of sincerity, I do think that there's a good story just about anywhere. Right now I'm writing a bunch of books about farm equipment, and I wrote one about bailers. That would be a machine that does bailing. And I was getting a little worked up when I was writing it because I have some opinions about bailers. And <laughs> so I went way over the word count. This is a 300-word book. Yeah, I went way over because it was I was really enjoying writing about how there used to be haystacks. But now there's no more haystacks because there's bailers. You're a little emotional. <laughs> Maybe you had a little wine. I really got a little bit worked Anyways, my editor just asked for a lot of revisions on that one, and I think it's because she could really see that I was starting to get a little... Take it too personal. Yeah, I really was. The one on sprayers was a little more, like, <laughs> to the point. I didn't have as many opinions. Anyways, but um, the Star Wars was very fun to work on. They would It was very cool, like, being, like, the inside insider on Star Wars. They would have, um, like, the Star Wars people story group would kind of weigh in, and they would mark up my manuscript with things like they would, like, m I would say, like, something, like, steel or metal, you know, and they would mark that and they would say, like, that's too earthbound. We need huh. a more Star Wars. Not Star Wars. They would say, not SW. Not Star Wars. Oh. And that means, whatever that, whatever you think it means. <laughs> it means not Star Wars. It means it's not, like, in there. Like, they're the... Right, it's not in their universe. I understand. I know that because uh, I'm a nerd. I right, read, right. I've read Star Wars books. Well, I, I think know. my husband and some of his friends sort of felt a little bit resentful, like they actually should be writing these books. <laughs> like I didn't deserve these books no. because I didn't you love don't. Star Wars. I'm angry. Like they loved it. Right, exactly. Like they love Star Wars and I don't. So like, why was I getting to do this? Uh, all right. So in case the people listening are driving in their car, we need to talk about what some of these books you've written are about because you've mentioned like the hay baler work that you're working on right now and then some of these <laughs> titles from your website I'm, and i'm not making fun of them it just shows it just shows the broad scope of what you're doing and i think it's why you're going to be great in this position so you have a book you have books called the world's scariest prisons that was a really fun book it's you also have also sad you have there's a book. some awful prisons out there you have a book about sacagawea 
That was a very fun book. About methamphetamine. <laughs> also sad. Don't do meth, kids. You have, you have a book based on the MTV show called The Hills, all those Lessons like, in Love. All those girls are like 35 now. <laughs> I do, though. Lauren Conrad, right? Wasn't yeah, she one all, of them? Yeah, all of them. And Whitney uh, <laughs> and Audrina, someone. And then there was another one. Oh, oh, the one who was married to um, Spencer. Um, oh, know, yeah. She was a, Heidi Montag. Okay. See, the fact you know that and you don't know Star Wars no, really I, infuriates more, me. Much actually. more of my interest. But then my favorite book title of yours is How to Run Your Own Garage Sale, which is just so 300 words. It's got to be. Yeah, it, it was like, f- yeah, like five to 600 words. It was like zero words. But it it's for really kids. Yeah, so it was part of a series for, I can't remember who. I think it was a publisher. I think it was um, the school library publisher. I think it was Lerner. Or uh, Rosen, Rosen. And um, it was about how to run your own. It was like called the Kid Entrepreneurs. And so it was like how to run your own bake sale, garage sale, car wash, like pet sitting business, brothel. <laughs> that was a joke. Um, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and so uh, it was actually, I really liked those. I love how-to books. Like that's my secret, like sort of like I secretly like. That's really, your jam. I really love how-to books. And so um, it was really fun. I was like, all right. Let's make a really good garage sale. Okay, like, first thing you need is some big tables. Like, but you're a kid. Like, you're nine. So how are you going to get the big tables? Like, you can't, you're going to have to, like, ask your mom or you're going to have to, like, ask your neighbor or, like, pay your friends. It was really fun to write those. You have a good memory for all of these books. Some of them, and some of them I can barely remember that I have written. Okay. Like, sometimes I'll read something and I'll be like, God, my cousin recently, like, picked up one of my books that was in my parents' house, and she and she's a reading professor, and she teaches teachers about reading, and she read a little passage aloud, and I was like, damn, that was good. I was like, that, I, did I write, that was good. I was like, maybe my editor fixed that for me, but no, I think I did write it, and it sounded great. She read it really nicely. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> and not everything you've written is for hire, right? Like, the two YA suspense novels you wrote right I actually have a, a I have a romance um yeah I have a romance too that was not for hire like and, and my my uh biographies my bio- biographies are not for hire okay um whatever are those books a little more dear to your heart because you um, weren't they definitely affect me more deeply they are the bad reviews hurt 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 my heart uh, the good reviews are great. The bad reviews are so painful. Um, I found writing my own work very difficult. Okay. Uh, I wanted to, like, I wrote it, I wanted to pretend that I'd never written it. I was embarrassed to think of people um, reading it. But that's whatever. That's my own thing to get over. (laughs) It was hard because sometimes I have a certain distance from my work where I write for hire. I sign away my rights, and they just becomes and anyone can do anything with it. I've written books that are not ever published because they decided it was last minute, like to change their marketing plan. Well, those books have never seen the light of day, and I have nothing really to do with them once I write them. Um, right. A little sad about that. And they're not published under your name. Do you make up? This is the type of stuff I love. Do you get to make up the name? No, I'm, I've written under some different <laughs> ghost names. Uh, so far, they've all been assigned to me. Okay. Um, so I've written under. There, I can reveal them all now because it doesn't matter. Well, I've written under like Kaylee Abbott. I've written under Elizabeth Woods, which is those are scarier books, and that's kind of a scarier. Oh yeah, Woods. Yeah, sure. Puritan sounding name. Yes. 
Um, and Lila Stewart was another one. That sounds made up. Right. And then I write these sports books under Jake Maddox, which is sort of a cover name. My name's actually on them on the inside, but the front is Jake Maddox. And um, these are these sports fiction books that I do like a lot of. So but Jake is... That's a boy. A boy? Well, he's not actually not real at all, but... Right, but... Indeed. That's kind of a... That you, there you're definitely perpetrating a lie. Yeah, well, except if you open up the inside, <laughs> you it says, look. buy Emma Carlson Burn. <laughs> In tiny font. Yeah, it's like, it's... I don't really... I'm not really sure what's going on there, but, um, yeah, it's a really popular people. Oh, see, that's awesome. Yeah, it has nothing to do with me. I mean, you know. You wrote it. Yeah, but someone else thought of the idea. Anyways, they're, they are good. It's they the are good. execution well, of the idea. I told myself I wasn't going to just denigrate myself right. every single step of the way. It's so the it's execution of the idea that, that makes it true. good. True. That is true, Kurt. You're, you're right. You're right. That's the I'm stuff good. I tell myself. Right, me too. All right, so let's talk about your writer in residence. Residency, I guess we'll call it. What are your plans? You know, smoke and drink heavily. <laughs> Buy tradition of writers everywhere. You won't even remember this year. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, isn't that the point? Uh, very Hemingway. Um, no, let's see. I mean, um, honestly, Kurt, I am really looking at this year as a way to really enjoy talking with people about writing. Generally, what I like to do is talk to people about books and reading, which is like my favorite thing in the world to discuss with people um, and just nerd out on. And sometimes it's hard for me to talk about writing, and I'm really looking forward to this year to working past that to uh, talking with people about I feel like a lot of times people don't feel like they deserve to write stories they feel like story writing is for other people it's for magic people it's for people who like have found the muse it's for artists it's for someone who's not them and I really reject that kind of thinking I have learned as I'm sure you have that mostly what writing is 97 percent of writing is applying your rear end to the chair and keeping it there and working hard like any job and applying the, the tools that you've learned and if you do yep. that um you you can produce something that is halfway decent so i'm looking forward to taking away some of the mystery of writing that's like, exactly what i said in my interview God you clearly <laughs> That's what I said in my that's interview. What I said. That's, that's what I said. That's, why, that's well, how that's we got this game. That's yeah. why I love us so much. Um. <laughs> I said to de demystify writing. That's how I put it. I think I said to de demystify. <laughs> I exactly said demystify, but I might as well have said demystify. I think I said that everybody deserves to feel like a writer. Yeah. Um, which I actually think is true, and I have seen a lot of people, um, there's sort of, there's, I've seen people who feel sort of panicky when they're like asked to write something, and then I've also seen people who feel like they've got a story in them if they could just get started the story could come out, and I feel like I can speak to both of those people. I have been in both of those places myself. Um, I'm also really looking forward to drawing inspiration from other writers, and from other writers I mean just other people. I work, the writing is my only job other than being a mother to like so many children, and so I'm alone most of my day writing and it is as many writers have said before me this is by no means original the isolation is one of the hardest parts of writing i don't know if you've ever seen the movie barton fink oh yeah many times writing yeah and he's like the wallpaper is like peeling away up above him and that is i think of that scene so many times where you're just trying to like you know it's you're you kind of get inside your head too much when you're yeah. alone writing and so i'm i rarely get, get out and talk to adults mostly i talk to like eight-year-olds 
and two-year-olds and um and myself and so i'm really looking forward to talking with other lively people who are interested in words those happen to be some of my favorite kind of people well and part of your plan is to kind of do office hours absolutely yeah i'm really excited for this my plan is to be at one of the branches once a month for two hours and we will like post the times and I will be there, and I am um, hoping that people will come in and visit with me. Bring your writing, bring something long, bring something short, bring a blank piece of paper, and we'll look at what you've got in mind. We can brainstorm together. We can look at your writing together. If there's a lot of people, we can read aloud. And I will be there at your disposal. Like we can, we can go over whatever you want, and you can come every week, and you or every month, or you can come once and you stay for 15 minutes, and you stay for two hours. And I'll bring some of my work too. Um, if we're talking about, you know, uh, if I'm having trouble with my opening, I'll bring it, and I hope I can workshop it with people who come in. That's an excellent idea. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I have to say. Yeah, the meeting of the people is like the best part. Yeah, absolutely. I never get to meet. <laughs> I know, my writing is super so isolating. Fun. It's incredibly isolating. I feel often like I write for nobody but my editors. And the, like there's just these like, sort of like pretend readers out there that I've never actually met. Um, one of my absolute favorite things is getting letters from readers. I recently sent a packet to a reader who wrote to me from Illinois, and she wrote me a long and wonderful letter about the book that she liked, which is one of my sports books, what she wanted to do, her situation at home. It was a great letter. And um, I sent her a, a response that I was wanting to write to her and uh, a couple of books. But she didn't put her last name on her letter. She put her first name and she put her school. But oh. that was it. And there was nothing. So I called her principal. <laughs> and they can't give me her last name, you know, for obvious right. reasons. But the principal, I sent the letter to her, the principal, the package. Actually, by then it was a packet. I also sent her a bookmark and some other things. And, uh, and he got it to her. And he wrote me an email and explained that he had given it to her and that she was really excited to get it. And great. That's an awesome story. Well, it was really, it was really nice. <laughs> it was. It was. That's like one of the like secret little fun things that happened. Yes, it was like a little, it was like a rare bright light. Sad <laughs> and good reviews. So you're expected, uh, as part of your residency, to work on something and have it kind of completed by the end of the year. I don't know if you know this, but you do. You have to have something like. It's a residency, right? You're kind of writing. So what will you be working on uh, of your own uh, over the course of the year that's not, like, about farm equipment? Well, that actually, that farm equipment thing is my faster work. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks a lot. <laughs> it's really hard not to make fun of the farm equipment stories. I am. I, they actually were very fun to work on. I talked to this guy, Bruce Gaskins, down at Ideal Farm Supply in Walton, Kentucky. Anyways, he was super nice. He told me all about farm equipment. So thanks, Bruce. You're out there. I gave him it. I dedicated one of the books to him. Um, anyways, uh, no, my own. Um, so I have a piece of work, a half-finished manuscript that I would call it, um, oh, I'd probably call it autobiographical YA fiction. It's, it's about me, but it's written as fiction. Um, and it's half done. It's been half done for about two years, and I'm finding it very difficult to finish. It's about a very personal subject. I sometimes have trouble writing about personal things in my writing. I like to write about things that have nothing to do with me, like farm equipment. And um, so the first half was very easy to write. It was very fun. I told myself I was going to write something that I really wanted to write, and I wasn't going to care 
how what it sounded like or how it was going for once in my life. And so I did it. I sort of said what I wanted to say, and it's then it sat there. It's not complete. It's not a impublishable form. It's a good little piece of writing, but if you're going to like publish it like a book, it's just not there. Right. And for two and a half years, I've been promising my agent that I will finish it. And he stopped believing me at this point. Um, and so I'm hoping that this year will give me the push I need to finish it. Awesome. So it can be published. I think maybe I don't like really, there's something in me that doesn't want it to be published because it's so personal. Yeah. But I think it was Michael Chabon who said that that is exactly when you should keep writing. Yeah. Which like when I read, heard that on this podcast I was listening to, I kind of wanted to like scream and like run off the road. Yeah. Because I knew he was right. It's exactly what I didn't want to hear. Like he's like the moment when you want to stop, that's exactly when you need to keep going. Yeah. I always tell my students that the more embarrassing and painful it is for you to write it, the more interesting and fascinating Absolutely. it is for a reader. Absolutely. And I, as a, as a reader, feel frustrated when I feel like writers are holding back. Yep. It irritates me. It feels sort of patronizing. I want to know what they're thinking. I'm reading recently, right now I'm reading a huge biography of the Bronte sisters, and it's the biggest epic book ever. It's pretty good. I'm skipping over a lot of the boring parts about, like, their, like, you know, like the church activities at the time. But I'm also rereading Jane Eyre, which is one of my very favorite books ever, and I'm such an incredible nerd that sometimes I'll just read the end notes on my copy of <laughs> Jane Eyre, which I ordered specially because it had end notes. Penguin Classics one. I love the Penguin Classics books yeah. because they have really good covers. Great covers, right? Yeah, and they, you can break the spines and they won't fall apart, and I always break all the spines in my books. <laughs> Anyways, but I'm realizing in reading this like massive biography just how incredibly autobiographical Jane Eyre is. And like, I always sort of feel like, in the past, I'd always felt like that was sort of cheating. You know, like, oh, I could just write about yourself. How easy. But I, it's one of the great works of literature ever written. And so, like, how could it be cheating? Like, Charlotte Bronte did it. Like, it's basically about her. Right. You know? She wrote herself into this book. It's, like, so fascinating. Anyway. This is the stuff. This is this. You were asking me earlier, what do you do? That's what you do as writer in residence. You talk like that. Oh, good, there good. You go. Oh, I've, I've got it down. Do good. <laughs> I've got it down. Great. The year is, has, has begun. It'll, it'll fly. Oh, excellent. All okay, right. That's great. Do you have questions for me? Yes, Kurt, you, have, uh, I do. you get one. Okay, I get one <laughs> question. All right, Kurt. No, you're fine. Okay. Whatever you want. Well, um, all right, so I have really, I have just a few questions for you. Fire um, From one future writer-in-residence to the next. Sure. Oh, like writer-in-residence elect. Oh, nice. To. And I'm the lame duck writer-in-residence. Right, to lame duck, exactly, to lame duck writer-in-residence. Right. You've got it. Okay. So, first of all, um, and now you've got to come up with some good, no throwaway answers on these. What has been the funnest moment of your writer-in-residence year? And you can say, like, the moment you got the phone call, but you can also say something else. That was pretty cool. I didn't get a phone call. They named yeah. me at this, like, ceremony thing. What? And that was pretty cool. Wait, 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 wait. Was it, like, like the voice or something? Like, <laughs> were they, like, line everyone up? Gwen was there, and that was the best part. Yeah. Um, no, but they they announced it at this ceremony. Did and you that was know? fun because I was there with my know? wife. No. <gasps> no, I didn't, but I should have because none of the other, quote-unquote, finalists were there. So, wait, wait, so they just called you up and were like, oh, hey, can you show up at this thing? This thing, and it was the opening of a, like, children's library at one of the branches. And, Madeira. And I went there, Madeira, at the Madeira branch. I know branch. that because I read your biography You're online creepy. about 600 times. Yeah, you guys can refer to this when the police, <laughs> when the police have questions about my body I've turning only, up. I've only been parking outside your house <laughs> a little bit. 
So that was fun. That was fun. My oh, wife wait, was so you there. Were sitting there. I and was. And they said, and now, yes. Kurt Dinnan. And the lights came on, and the, like, dun, the spotlight, dun, dun. and I walked up. Right. It was great. That was fun. Wait, um, wait, wait. So what did they that say? That was it. They just, they just said. They said, like, did you know they were going to ask the random residents that night? Yes. That's why oh, I was there. You knew. Wait, but they didn't tell you you were it. No. But then you got there, and were you looking around for, like, started to No, because I wouldn't have known Like, you know who, who they were. I would have no idea. Right. I wouldn't either. Um, right. So then you were just, like, sitting there, like, doop, doop, I wonder who it is. I was feeling okay. I oh, wasn't feeling cocky, be, but I was like. You. You're like, I wonder if it'll be me. Yeah, I, that, that's what I was thinking. Right. And then it was very weird when I won. And that was fun. I mean, right. that was a fun moment. Um, and everyone clapped? I liked the workshops. Yes, okay. they clapped. And palm fronds and everything. Yeah. Uh, waved crown. those at me. Crown. And the crown. <laughs> the crown. Okay. Uh, the workshops were a lot of fun. Um, but I liked meeting the, the people. Most fun? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I should have prepared. Like if you had told me in advance, because <laughs> I really don't have like the most fun. But I liked the last workshop I did was how to get an agent, how to get published, what that whole process was, and that had the best response, I guess. And I mean, I got emails afterward and people coming up to me afterward with and, and just saying like that was really really helpful. They said it in a way that was almost like they were surprised that yeah. it was so helpful. But I get that a lot, like you a know. Shock. I get that a lot in my life. But, but it was like a nice ego stroke, you know. And I yeah. felt really good about that. Um, yeah. And I mean, I I honestly enjoyed all of it. I loved, you know, I got to interview Jay Isher at a public event, and that was a lot of fun. I've loved meeting and doing these interviews with authors and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I don't have a single fun thing, and I don't even have like a single funny thing that happened. Really. I know. Sorry. All right. Now, next question. Oh, I have a few more. First of all, this can be yes or no. Are you sorry the year's over for real? Or do you wish it was still going? I'm kind of hot or cold on that. And you didn't say I had to answer yes or no. Oh. I don't have a lot of time in my life. And I knew that coming into this position. Um, But I really wanted to do it. You know, I kind of said when when I published the book, my, my philosophy was... Anything I'm asked to do, I'm going to do it. And any opportunity that arises, I'm going to take it. Because who knows if I'm going to publish another book, right? I mean, it's like a, it, there are no promises. I could die tomorrow. And it's like, this is it. So when the writer-in-residence thing came up, I was, I was all over it. And, and so I've really, uh, I've really enjoyed it. And that was one of the questions I was asked when they interviewed me was, you know, you have four kids and you teach full-time and, you know, you write from three in the three to five in the morning like do you really write from three to five in the morning three thirty to five yeah oh my God. that's the only time i've got you go to bed nine nine thirty kurt that's not very much sleep that's very <laughs> early to get up why do you I get sleep up at in five the i don't get up at five i get up at three thirty because i've got to get the kids ready oh yeah we've why do you get the kids ready five? and we've got to go to school and, and all of that yeah. Yeah. Yes, you do. but you know i've worked it in i've worked it in um to my schedule and uh, I have nothing but positive feelings about it. Now, not having to prepare, you know, interviews and in and, and workshops, uh, I will use that time probably probably more to spend with my family and to write. But uh, so it's kind of like a, you know, bittersweet type of thing. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. All right. Now, what was the worst moment of the year? Say it for real. We <laughs> there were two. Oh, good, good. So yeah. when I got sick, I had to cancel a bunch of bunch of stuff, and I hate that. Right. Like I don't like 
doing that. I don't like letting people down. I'm definitely a people pleaser. I want everyone to like me and, and be happy with me. And uh, I felt really bad about that. But the, the, the library was great about that. Um, and they just kind of pushed everything back a couple of months. Um, but people had showed up for one of my workshops that was scheduled. And I felt bad because I was in the hospital. Um, so I felt bad about that. You just weren't trying hard enough. That I was just needed you to just, come. If you just focused. A little bit. Exactly. You it's probably could have shown mind up. Mind over matter. Exactly. Just bootstrap, <laughs> Kurt, and moral character. The other worst thing is, so uh, the the library, um, Kate Lawrence, who is fantastic, would always reserve me a parking spot for for workshops and in uh, library events, but I never could find the parking lot until two months ago. So for basically the last eight months, I've been paying outrageous amounts to park next to the library. You know, you can never get that money back. I can either. never get you that might money as well back. Have just torched and it. And that's why I had to sell one of the children. But yeah, right, but you now know, you only have three. Bygones. Yep. Oh well. Um, Kurt, that's fantastic. All right, now, so your novel "Don't Get Caught" I understand has been very popular. It looks hilarious. Somebody said to me recently, you know, humor writing is one of the hardest. Like, you are absolutely said this in front of a group of people. So, and I, I, but luckily, I wholeheartedly agreed with this random man that being funny when you're writing is incredibly hard, and you can spot it a mile away when the writer is trying to force it. Sure. However, I've noticed the little writing I've read of yours is quite funny, and so um, you should consider yourself pretty, I think, talented that you can um, do that. I understand that your novel is considered very funny. And I would like to know what your plans are for it, if anything more, and also what you're working on now. I don't really have any more plans with the book. It's done. Like, it's been out for a year and a half, and it's done very well, and you know, it won the American Library Association's Best Book for Teens Did last it year. Really? I, yeah. And I mean, that was great. Like, it's fantastic, and people think it's funny, and which is really the only goal I had. I really just wanted to make... Can you quote a little bit of one of your best reviews? Come on, I, I can't. I can't, but I will it. tell you this. No, I can't tell you this. Uh, I realized as I was writing it, I really only. Do you have siblings? Uh, I did. Okay, so and and I I had three brothers. I have two now. I really realized later that I was just trying to show off because as the youngest, you're always just trying to one up everybody. Yeah, so, I was the oldest. So that was a part of it, and then the other part was I really just wanted to make my college friends laugh. And so probably one of the best reviews I received was from a guy I've probably only seen twice in the last 20 years. And he wrote me an email that just said, thank you for not writing something that sucked because that was my worry. <laughs> he goes, but it was really funny. And like, I thought, that's all I wanted. Like, that's all I You're needed. Like, I've succeeded now. Um, so that's the don't get caught plan. There really is no plan. Like, it's just out there and people like it and continue to buy it. And that's fantastic. That's really the best kind of plan. I agree. you got to kind of move on, right? Right. Um, the new book uh, is probably, in a perfect world, I'll be done with it, ready for my agent to read it by the end of the year. Like, I think it's... I'd like to remind you that that ready. is in by eight weeks. I can do that. Okay, get going. Because I'm only, yeah, I'm revising. I'll Then I'll be at a point where I think I'll have 20,000 words to go, and I think I can knock that oh out. Oh, my God. Pretty, well, maybe not, but... It'll be rough, but it'll be readable. You can do it. Um, it's a, 
it started off as a young adult mystery. I loved, okay. remember in the show Moonlighting? Nope. Bruce Willis, see, you're nope. so much younger than I am. Nope. So uh, Bruce Willis bit. had a t television show. Uh, that's that how he became a star. I never watched any TV With Sybil Shepard. And they were detectives, and it was a lot of banter. Got it. And I loved that. Um, and I loved Veronica Mars, which was kind oh, of bantery yeah. and stuff. So I had started writing what was that, and then it became this other thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of, like, really heavy YA serious issue type of thing. Like, it's not me. But the book kind of became that sort of. But it's really just me being a smart aleck, I realize. Um, it makes me laugh, but it's also serious. Uh, it's a little probably more mature than my other book. Um, but I feel good about it. That sounds great. For probably the first time in a long time. <laughs> like last week, I was like, oh, I know how to end this now. Now I need to start over again. So I don't know. I'm supposed to read part of it here at the library on January 20th. and. Uh, I'm going to be there, Kurt. <laughs> of course you will. I am, be. and I with, believe I'm going to be with the air horn. I believe I'm going to be introducing you or something like that nice. on January 20th. I wondered if they had asked you. Yes, okay. yes they had, and I'm very excited. All right. I'm excited to hear you read. It better be good. Do you have any if other it, questions? If it doesn't, if it's not good, I'm going to. It read. has profanity all through it, and oh, I don't good. know my whether kind of, I'm supposed to like. My kind of like, yeah, you're supposed to like make a little noise. Ah, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do there. You know, or just like uh, excise it. It's not going to be good if you don't read the profanity. Like, I'm going like, to really have to just, think that through. Yeah, what, what? I had one F-bomb in Don't Get Caught. Yeah. And just one? I had, yeah, and I had a whole conversation. I went back and forth uh, because at one point I was afraid I was going to be fired. The yeah. Book, I, was, mean, I, I was worried. I teach. Yes, I teach in a, in a wonderful um, school district. But at the same time, um, there's always concern on, like, what you've written, right? And you, you worry, like, am I going to be frowned upon for what I've written. Or fired. Um, or, or fired, which would be, which is my scariest <laughs> fear. Ah. And so, uh, there, but there was one F-bomb, and um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a seventh grade teacher, and she said, she, she said, on a practical level, I have a, I would have a much harder time uh, p promoting this book in my classroom if that language is in it. And Whoa. I said, then it's gone. I said, it's gone. I said, plus, I don't need it. And, right. it, and it made perfect right. sense. Um, how did we get on that? Oh, because I've got to read oh, yeah, aloud. Oh, yeah, right. And now it has more profanity. Yeah, I just, it just kind of, it has to be there. Let's ask someone really smart. It has where's to be there. Where's a really smart, a, a real, super famous writer? writer? Yeah, where's a real writer to advise know. us? What do you do? Let's go in. Okay, well, we're going to ask, like, um, well, Kurt Vonnegut, I think he's dead, but... Um, he would say a, you do it. You, yeah, he definitely. You have to be honest. That's what. That's the writing piece of advice. You have to be honest. Absolutely. Right, that's All right. The well, truth. there's then there's your answer. Fine. We just solved it. Do you have any other questions? Um, no. Okay. So here's your final <laughs> question. You'll get plenty of time. You'll get a whole year. Emma will have a whole year of podcasts very, coming or coming. Very excited. All right. So we're gonna finish up with my regular final question that will tell us more about you than anything else I've asked. So here we go. We're gonna play dinner party. You can invite one writer, one rocker, one actor or actress, and one miscellaneous person. So who are you inviting? Do you have to explain why you're inviting that person? Well, otherwise you're a really terrible interviewee, yeah, but you do like what you boring. want. Boring. Okay, yes. All right. Now, so, Kurt, I am going to confess that you told me in advance that you were going to ask this question, yes. so I thought about it. You're going to keep thinking about it. That's Probably. the best part. I know. I really will. And they all had to be alive. That was your other criteria. Yes. I'm not sure if you mentioned. 
Um, and I thought about this instead of doing my actual work today. It was a much more interesting question. Um, all right, so I've got my answers. All right, who was the first one? Writer? Yes. All right, so first I wrote down Curtis Sittenfeld, and, uh, who's one of my very favorite writers. Um, but, Curtis, if you're listening, I did cross your name out, and I wrote Jane Smiley instead. Okay. Because I just love her so much, and she's, Curtis is kind of my own age, and so I feel like I might be even more intimidated by her. Jane Smiley is, like, such a, like, old lady of, of wonderful books that I feel like I'm, like, you know, I don't even have to pretend that sure. I'm, like, buddies with her. That's great. You know what I mean? Thousand Acres, Pulitzer oh, Prize oh, winner. Oh, everything, everything. Moo. Everything. Moo, Moo, Moo uh, all of her books. She is really one of my, like, n- Jane Smiley, if you're out there. Awesome. No, you have a fan. Okay. Okay. What's so, the next one? Uh, a rocker. Okay, a rocker was really hard because, Kurt, you don't know me real well, but I know nothing about music, this nor do I really be, care this about will music. Be great. Mostly I listen to NPR okay. and, like, whatever CD my kid is listening to. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I, I did I did manage to... I don't really know any rockers. like Any musician. Well, I chose one. Okay. I was going to choose Yo-Yo Ma, but he's not a rocker. So I chose Mick Jagger. Okay. Because I figure he's... Uh, although he kind of looks like a piece of leather gear at this point, he used to be really sexy. And he probably has a lot of really good stories. Great stories. Yeah. Right. So many good stories about the 60s. Absolutely. Was he the 60s or 70s? Uh, or 80s? I think even late 50s, but 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way through so now. His so his stories alive. probably like cannot be beat. Yes. Okay, so Mick Jagger. All right, one actor <laughs> or actress? Uh, I feel a little guilty about this one, but... Um, I chose Rupert Friend, who I don't know if you know. I don't know who that is. Well, I know who he was. He was Quinn on Homeland, and okay. he was so he's um, He was gotcha. the villain in Pride and Prejudice. Come on, the one who runs off with uh, Lydia. Come on, come on, uh, Willoughby. Okay. Uh, I'm saying his name wrong. Does he have an accent? Oh, of course he does. <laughs> Anyways, um, I just think he's really attractive. And okay. so having dinner, I think he might be Australian or maybe like South African. Anyways, to have dinner with him would not be such a bad thing, no, but I get to sit next to him, okay? At least you're in right, I'm going to sit beside him. Fair enough. Okay. And one miscellaneous person. Oh, well, that one, that was very, I thought about choosing my neighbor because she's so incredibly nice that I think she'd like to have um, okay. dinner with those people, but instead, I chose Terry Gross. Oh. Because A, I, she's be so fun to talk to in herself. Also, I figured she would be great at facilitating us. Yes. I think she has like probably has amazing social skills. You can just kind of sit back. Yeah, and also I want to talk to her on her own, so she's like a twofer. Nice. Right, and I think she can like get along with anybody, and so like if somebody's like you know not behaving or like you know sitting there quietly like. Except you know. Gene Simmons. Right. He right? walked out on her. Oh no, Bill O'Reilly walked out on her. Gene he Simmons so. like said all sorts of like crazy. Yes, and was really mean to her. To her. Yes. Yeah. Kurt and I were talking that we were at the same nerdo and PR event. Like <laughs> something about nerds in Cincinnati. Of eating it up, <laughs> eating up Terry Gross stories. So oh, that's, that's great. Like, that's you have party. Jane Smiley, Mick yeah. Jagger. Yeah, Rupert Friend. Rupert Everett. Friend. <laughs> friend. Rupert Friend. <laughs> Don't say his name wrong. And his name is Rupert Friend. And Terry Gross. That's good. That's a good dinner party. I think it's going to be really fun. Fantastic. Rupert can talk to us about Hollywood if we get stuck, but I think with Mick's stories, we won't have any trouble. Actually, I think he's probably the only one who has to talk. I'm sure Jane Smiley would like to hear his stories about the stuff. And you'll just stare too. at Rupert. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be sitting beside him, so I'll hold his hand. <laughs> All right, I'll give you the final word. <coughs> I really won't because I'll have an outro, oh. but go ahead. Anything oh. you want to say? Um, uh, that's not trite. Um, Kurt, I am uh, very excited for this. This is a brand new thing for me, this writer-in-residence thing. I really 
um, as a writer, I have really just only written before. I mean, I have talked at conferences some and panels, but and done school visits and talked to writers groups. But other than that, mostly what I've done is write. And um, so I'm super excited to do something other than just like pound out the words on my computer, which is, um, and I think that I'm hoping this year will be kind of uh, refreshing, like a mind reboot for me. Awesome. So, and I'm going to I understand from what many people have told me that I'm going to have a big legacy to fill. No, please. Uh, that's, I, think, I think I mismixed my metaphors. Like it's I like boots it to really fill, well. like a legacy to follow, yes. but... Um, <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thank you, Kurt. Honestly. Thank you. All right. That's it for me. The last interview I'll be doing for Inside the Writer's Head, I now leave you in the uh, the seemingly capable hands of Emma Carlson Burnet. It's been an honor and a thrill being the Cincinnati Public Library's Writer-in-Residence, and I want to thank everyone who's helped me along the way, specifically Kate Lawrence, Angela Hirsch, and Daniel Kochak, whose last name I probably butchered, so I apologize. So for the last time, this is Kurt Dynan for Inside the Writer's Head. Inside the Writer's Head podcast is produced by the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County. It was recorded in the library's makerspace. Use the makerspace yourself at the main library or select branch locations. Special thanks to the Library Foundation for funding the Writer-in-Residence program. Learn more and read the Inside the Writer's Head blog on our website, cincinnatilibrary.org. Subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss future episodes and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.